0: Hello and welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for watching us on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and Red Voice Media, and for listening on New Hampshire Family Radio, WLMW 90.7 FM, Manchester, New Hampshire, KKVV Radio in Las Vegas, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like us on your station, email us at Taryn at USA.org. I am excited today to welcome back uh, Education Liberty Extraordinaires, Diane Connors and Attorney Deborah Stevenson, who have both been involved not only in the homeschool movement, but in just education freedom movement for um, a long, long time. They have been on my podcast uh, and my show prior, and today we are going to tackle the news recently that Florida passed HB 1, House Bill 1, basically enacting school choice and or the school voucher system, ESVs, whatever you would like to call it. And here is a, if you're watching us on Rumble or Red Voice Media, a uh, screen grab of one of the articles highlighting what DeSantis and the lawmakers in Florida put into effect. Starting on July 1st at the household level, families will apply for a voucher projected to be worth about $8,700 based on average per student allotment from the district's through one of Florida's two scholarship funding organizations. And uh, lawmakers in Florida are saying that this is opening up school choice on a level that is um, not seen nationwide, even in those states like Arizona and West Virginia and others that have already enacted similar uh, laws at the state level. So we're going to dive into this today today. Is homeschool, or excuse me, are school choice uh, laws that are being proposed throughout the United States really what lawmakers are hoping they will be or telling the public that they will be. We're going to ask, really, is this actual school choice or is this the lawmakers making it look like it is school choice for those of us that are parents? And um, I want to, you know, say that We the Patriots USA does not have an official stance on this topic. This is very much still being, uh, you know, hashed out in the public sphere. So anything that I say or uh, Diane or Deborah say in this, this is not, you know, necessarily reflective of what we the Patriots USA um, take had their official stance on it. But uh, We the Patriots USA has some exciting news in the education sector. They have a victory, a medical exemption has been restored for Regina Lightborn. We came alongside her because her 14-year-old son, um, who has a recorded vaccine injury, was his medical exemption was revoked and he wasn't allowed to go to high school there in California um, because his mother said, listen, he cannot get these vaccines. He already has a vaccine injury. We at Patriots USA stepped in and helped that family so her son is going back to school that is great to hear and you can see all the various other cases that we have here in um, on we the patriots usa's docket so those are the many ways that uh if you go to we the you're contributing to people fighting for education liberty their civil liberties and so forth your prayerful donations not only power this podcast, but power the great work that we are doing to help represent those that are in need of representation and in need of funding to fight for their civil liberties. Again, you can go to WeThePatriotsUSA.org to donate. I also want to let you guys know that today we're going to talk about data mining that is happening in the school system as well. Both Diane and Deborah can talk about the ways that um, parents are unaware of how their children's data is being mined and stored up and accumulated from the school system. Um, And that could be kind of shocking for parents to learn about. So let's talk to both Deborah and Diane where do we go from here because the battle has just begun as eyes open we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers educating ourselves and forging a new path forward hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. This episode is brought to you by The Carnivore Bar, providing a fuel source for ancestral carnivore, paleo, and keto eaters who value their on-the-go autonomy without sacrificing quality nutrition. Visit carnivorebar.com for more information. This episode is brought to you by The Freedom People, providing comprehensive solutions for individuals and businesses to take control and protect their freedoms. Visit thefreedompeople.org to reclaim your freedoms. Hi, Diane, Deborah. It's so great to see you guys and welcome you back to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I I want to start with, and I know you have uh, thoughts about what has taken place recently in the state of Florida, and I'll pull up the headline again for people to see uh, the 74 posting a headline, Florida just became the nation's biggest school choice laboratory. Diane, I will start with you. What do you make of what is taking place in Florida?
1: I would note um, the use of the word laboratory. I think that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And our children are the experimented um, students uh, being experimented upon. Also at the end of that, um, it said that the students will not necessarily be given the school of their choice, which is one of the criticisms of school choice. Um, That doesn't even get into other criticisms such as Special needs children, um, where they might be able to go, will their needs be met? If so, how? Because there are places where it's not happening, Um, and the monetary needs may or may not get into the school of your choice. But uh, you know, for Florida, eighty-seven hundred dollars may not cut it, Um, and then you you know, accountability issues.
0: Deborah, I'll let you respond as well to that headline and and what's happening in in Florida. What's your take?
2: Well, HB1 was passed, but school choice, in my opinion, is a trap. Uh, Simply because uh, from my point of view, I always rely on the Declaration of Independence, our founding document. We have unalienable rights. We're born with them and uh, no one can take them away. We can voluntarily give them up, however. Uh, And in this case, we already have the choice as parents to educate our own children and whatever means that that it looks like. Okay, so the term it's all about marketing school choice. We have the choice. Public, private, home school. That's our choice. And um, this bill is I mean, it's more about politics than anything, uh, because if you actually take a look at the bill, yes there's 8700 dollars being you know thrown about uh, but but when the reason i say it's a trap is because there are always conditions whenever a government gives you something there are conditions and in this case the condition in all these cases the conditions mean regulation mean loss of freedom so that's why the government doesn't give you give you any rights you already have them so but now in law the government saying, you have the right to this $8,700 if you do X, Y, and Z. And, and some of the things that, that are conditions in that um, bill, in that law now, the parent of a student can request and receive, you know, this state scholarship is what they're calling it. Um, but it's based on your poverty level. So not everybody's going to get it anyway. You have to have meet a certain poverty level in order to get this scholarship. Uh, the money can be used for curriculum as defined under the law. So it's not your choice of curriculum that you can use the money for, and there is that hook again. You can use it for tuition, but for an eligible institution. You can use it for private tutoring as authorized. Um, You can use it for a virtual program offered by the Department of Education and approved online. Uh, the provider has to be uh, uh, meet certain provider qualifications, too, in order for you to use that as for a virtual program. You can use that money for contracted services provided by a public school, uh, but if you do use for some services at a private school, the kids are then considered part-time enrolled. And you can use it for tuition and fees for part-time tutoring services. But the tutoring must be provided by a person who holds certain state certificates and mastery of subject area, et cetera. And uh, part-time tutoring does not qualify as regular school attendance. So there's just some of the hooks that you have. And that's why it's not really choice. You're choosing to accept that money under those conditions. So that's the choice that you have conditionally.
0: And uh, we're going to dive into, you know, how uh, the choi- the term choice is being muddied here. I have a video clip I'm going to show in just a minute, but I first want to talk about the amount of money, um, you know, $8,700 possibly up to per student. Diane, it does it cost that much to educate a, a child per year? $8,700, that seems like a lot of money per student.
1: For homeschoolers, that can be a lot of money. Um, Homeschooling, a quality homeschool education can take place for the academic portion, really almost for free Mm -hmm. because there are um, trailblazers who started decades ago, who through a labor of love have compiled K through 12 curricula. And it's um, used by many people across the country. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's a lot of money. Well, we'll dive in. To you guys sent these wonderful clips, and I want to talk. I want to play this first one about school choice and um, really what that means. Let's listen.
3: Remember, vouchers and ESAs are meant to give us the ability to choose whether public, private, or home education is best for our child. But if you think about it, with the stroke of our governor's pen, our educational choices will have been fundamentally changed. Public education is education that is publicly funded and accountable to the public. So you still have the choice to send your kids to public school, publicly funded, publicly accountable. Or, now you can afford to send your kids to a private school, but it's not the same private school anymore. It is now publicly funded, and it is dealing with new public accountability and standards. What about home education? Now publicly funded and publicly accountable. So now your choices are between public funding, public accountability, or public funding, public accountability, or if you'd rather, you can choose public funding, public accountability. Our choices have eroded somewhat.
0: And that was from that clip was from the Constitutional Education Alliance. So, thank you guys for sending that, which brings us to in your presentation that you two have put together um, that you've been showing um, around Connecticut and the various states here in Florida, your peas and carrots comparison, which I love um, the way that you break it down on what choice really means. And it's just like your parents off saying that you have a choice for dinner. Uh, your choice are peas and carrots. You get to choose from those two. So um, I will let you guys start making that comparison and explain that to our audience.
1: Debbie? Oh, you, you, it you, was your idea you start. Go ahead. Oh, well, um, whether it's peas and carrots or uh, it's mom needs to go to the grocery store to buy some things for dinner and the kids are running around the backyard having a grand old time barefoot, they need to put their sneakers on and they don't want to. So mom says, well, okay, do you you wanna wear your um, red sneakers or your gray sneakers? They have to get their sneakers on, right? So which vegetable do you want, peas or carrots? The analogy is obviously the government and mom, you are being given an apparent choice, but the outcome, you're going to put something on your feet, you're going to eat a vegetable, is clear. And it's no different with school choice, as you know, we've already said, it it is, you already have choice. Parents already have choice. It dovetails with another issue um, having to do with the removal of parental rights. And um, the that's a real issue. That's a real issue. I don't want to segue and get off track here but it's all dovetailed together. Parents need to understand what freedom really looks like.
2: Freedom is no conditions. Freedom is you you do what you want in peace. Uh, you exercise your unalienable rights and um, you go from there. But this is just, this is a trap. And, and it's marketed that way. And until how many people read that hundreds of pages of, of, of the bill and to see all those conditions and all those little qualifications? Not many. It's tedious. It's boring. And they will just read the reporting about it. It's great. School choice. You have $8,700. Sign me up. Um, And just like the children who don't understand that they're not really getting a choice when they have peas and carrots, parents uh, may not understand that they're not really getting a choice either. They're being regulated by the government even more, inserting the conditions on what used to be or could have been actual private school that is not regulated, that is in freedom, no longer um, in many ways, but And homeschooling as well. There are many states across the country who have more freedom in homeschooling right now. But if they accept school choice, you know, accept the money. They're going to have to have more regulation on the definition of homeschooling. What is homeschooling? What can you use the money for? Well, if you can only use it for our, our defined curriculum, then you don't really have choice in that, do you? Now they are narrowing your choice to a particular curriculum, and it probably won't be a religious curriculum either. So, you know, that, that's what people have to look behind the headlines and think about what this actually means.
0: And, you know, talking about the different red tape that you're speaking of and the different conditions, and then that also leads us to the topic of accountability and um, how the state is going to, you know, hold accountable the the various places that funding is now going to that it used to not go to, like private schools and homeschooling. So I'm going to play one more clip from the Constitutional Education Alliance to explain this.
3: What do you imagine will happen with private schools and home educators? How can they be held accountable to make sure that their public education dollars are being spent appropriately? Mm -hmm. The standardized test. That's the minimum level of accountability we can expect. Other forms of accountability may include requiring homeschooling parents to have some type of teacher certification, requiring oversight by public school officials, or even allowing home inspections. We just don't know how far it will go.
0: that last point that he makes there especially diane i know you're uh both of you are avid homeschoolers but uh i'll start with you to talk about the thought of when you choose home education you do it for the freedom to be able to um educate your children and the thought of having home inspections wow uh that really hits home
1: that has been an issue um, for quite some time. I know Massachusetts dealt with this um, uh, decades, over the last few decades. There were several attempts to have home inspections and I don't want to misspeak. I, Missouri, it was an M, a state with an M. Uh, they fought this battle within the last few years. It's never enough. And this is a real important point to make and for parents to understand. People will say, oh, it's just this regulation and we're going to get that it's never that way. It's incrementalism. They always want more. They always want more. And like I said, this this um, attempt has been made already. So with accountability issues layered on top of everything else. Yes. And and I know that Debbie can comment. I know what she's going to say about the legal aspect of this. And we saw this with the I will let her do that. Um, the distance learning and legally what they can do if your child is learning from home, but as an enrolled student. Um, Most parents do not understand the concept of in loco parentis, but they need to.
0: Go ahead, Debbie, explain that to us. Um, In loco
2: parentis means uh, in place of the parent. So when you enroll your child in a public school, um, or even a private school. but let's talk public school. When you enroll your child in a public school, then you have just given that public school oh, some of your rights to be in to stand in place of the parent for the time period that they are in the school. Now this, this doctrine originated uh, because, um, there had to be some sort of um, ability of the teacher to have discipline in the classroom and control the students. So some of your rights as a parent to discipline your child while in school, you're not there. So that's given up to the authorities in the school. Over time, however, in talking about incrementalism. This has gone way beyond what we think of as, OK, well, you have the right to to discipline them in the school for the purpose of teaching, in that day, in that time frame. That was what it was originally. Now, however, that is extended way beyond that, particularly when we're talking about um, uh, what happened during the pandemic. During the pandemic, um, it was noticeable because now the the school has inserted itself into the home. So there were cases where um, a someone would a teacher would see in the background of a student's bedroom where they're trying to learn online a water pistol. And then the par- the student reported that the parents to child protection services because the student had a gun in school, okay? So you mm-hmm. see that. It went from very narrow to now widespread. We also have cases, a lot of cases, where the student can get in trouble um, for stuff that the, the child does outside the home and outside the school. Because the school can say, well, that activity, that whatever the child did, social media or whatever on the street, whatever they did, affects the school. So we, we have the right to control what that student did. Those cases have been upheld in the courts. So this, this is extending farther and farther and farther. Uh, I know in, in, there are many groups, particularly the, the college institutions now, it's all filtering down. Well, do parents have any rights at all? The UConn Law School had a, a day long um, workshop on should parents have have rights. And that was law school. So you know this is not going to stop unless the the people stop it by saying no, we don't want your money. We don't want your benefits. And yes, we do have parents. We're born with them. Remember the declaration, we have them, and you're not taking them away. They're unalienable unless we give them that right to take them away by uh, a, a voting in whatever party it is. To adopt laws like HB one in Florida, where now you know there's so much regulation. It's homeschooling is defined, private school is defined in that bill. Changes have been made to the definitions in that bill. Now Florida had a lot of regulation for homeschooling to begin with, so the parents there had already you know been duped or you know had had lost their rights in in a lot of ways. Uh, but there are many other states that have not lost those rights yet and are standing up and uh, they need to, we all need to, to know what's going on, to know the incrementalism and to stand up and say, no, we choose freedom and that means I, no money.
0: I think that what you're saying there is so key because that taps into the argument um, that so many are making for the school choice and that um, you know this is something that allows like they're saying school choice for people that might not be able to afford it and so on and so forth, that the regulations can be imposed on us even without these school choice bills. So, you know, homeschooling can still be regulated even without this. So why not have this bill pass? Um, What do you what do you say to that? Well, I say that the why not
2: have it pass, because it's just giving them more and more and more and more. So, yes, Florida, as, as I said, and other states have given up some of their rights by having regulation. Um, but now you have this other bill that, as I said, defines that even more, puts more regulation on it. Um, and where does it end? So that's the danger of um getting more and more regulation and getting the populace used to the fact that the government can regulate, it, getting them used to the fact that the government gives you your rights. And by the way, the courts will, will say, if if a bill says, or if a statute says, well, here's the rights of parents in this state. We have listed them, rights, parental rights. Yay, we've adopted this law. You have these rights. Well, if that is disputed, any right is disputed in there and goes to court, what the, there's other doctrines in play and the court can say, well, the government only gave you these rights. So this right you say you have, no, you don't have it because it's not in the statute. Mm -hmm. So now you've narrowed your rights even more and you've solidified the fact that they come from the government. Whereas that is totally unconstitutional if you read the plain language of the constitution but that's the way the system is going and this is becoming the norm and that's the danger.
0: I agree with that. It, um, it really opens up the doors and it doesn't it, it's putting a bandaid, um, a temporary band aid on the issue because the issue is not school choice. It's the teachers unions and the government overreach in our schools. So instead of taking steps to alleviate that issue, these types of bills are instead putting the government in more areas our school system didn't have it in before, like private and public school.
2: Well, if you're talking about all those those programs that parents are upset about, uh, whether it's CRT, SEL, or mm-hmm. whatever, the same thing is true because what happens is the state and local governments are accepting federal money. Now, the federal government cannot tell you what to do in education directly. They have to dangle the money, right, under the Constitution. So they say, states, if you adopt a law that looks like this, we'll give you a billion dollars. And the state says, sure. Now, the conditions to that are you have to implement SEL, you have to implement CRT. you have to implement all these things, whatever they are, pro or con. Those are the conditions. It's the same thing. You accept the benefit, you accept the money, there are going to be conditions and you're not going to like that. And the poor parents who are going to the local board of ed to say, oh, we don't want this in our school system, don't realize that this has come from the federal government on down because the state and the local board has accepted the money. And so they can't get out of it without saying no to the money. And now they're hooked because they took the money. So, you know, it's like a contract. So how are you going to
0: break the contract? But parents
2: have to know that that's what's happening. Thank you
0: for for highlighting the money. I think that's very important because we think these are state issues, but the the federal government's getting into it. Diane, I want to uh, shift to the topic of data collection that is happening in our schools, Through our children and you guys sent uh, and highlighted to me a video by Jane Robbins that I'll link in the show description in the show notes about how the collection of data on every child beginning with preschool or even earlier and using that data to track the child throughout his or her academic career and his or her progression through the workforce. Uh, The federal government has worked with private entities to design and encourage this and they are relaxing privacy protections. Um, The authors also urge state lawmakers to pass student privacy laws and that they recommend that uh, Congress, um, you know, Congress correct the 2013 relaxation of FERPA. I think that this is a topic that really isn't being talked about in the education sector because school choice has kind of taken over the, the, um, you know, the major headlines, but this data collection
1: it's a scary, scary thought. It is. And all parents should watch that video. It's important to know, you know, people will say, um, oh, no, that's not going to happen here. It'll never get that far. We're there now. We're there now. We've been there for years. Um, And the reason I included that is it's from 2014. So there's really no denying that that was planned then. All of this has been planned for a long time. The data collection started off with um, the online just we, we're getting into artificial intelligence, the online platforms at the schools. Most of the children are doing their work um, online. It is definitely tracked online. That has now expanded to something much bigger. Every child has an ID number. Um, it isn't just about their academics, it is about anything that can be found, including on social media, no longer just for the student, but their entire family. That's very serious. And I want to mention this to complement what Debbie was just saying and what you were responding to, Taryn. That is, we're we're discussing here the federal level, the implications and the state level and the implications. But where is this school choice, where, where is it coming from? Like, whose brainchild was this? If... Uh, this is like a whole additional topic but it's extremely relevant it dovetails to unesco this is this is seriously top down this is global and in the name of peace and love and light you know they want to have a global education system that is um published in a number of places in documents and the trickle down this is this has been actively pursued since the eighties. We are in the final phases. So again, going back to school choice, (laughs) there's no choice. There are terms, conditions, and funds involved um, and loss of choice, loss of freedom and privacy. And it's so key. Um, I have never said prior to the last couple of years, what I'm about to say, people need to get their kids out. They need to get their kids out. I um, I have had children in public school, private school, most of them homeschooled. Um, these issues are creating um, this workforce education for the children. It's all about their ID number and everything that is tracked about them. One quick example, um, there was a, a young teenage boy who got himself into some hot water a few times. All of that is under his ID number. And because of the loosening of the boundaries of who can access this information, that's another topic, um, it's much wider and broader than people realize. So um, this he, he cleaned up his act, young adult, applying for jobs, applying for college, can't get in, can't get in, can't get in, long story short, it was what was in his um, information that was tracked under his id number that caused him to not be chosen you know it's closing doors and this kid had not been in any kind of trouble for a long time you know he was a young teenager and goofy
0: <laughs> you yeah silly yeah. mistake. I like how you're tying that all together and how um, it's all about control, whether it's from the choice angle, the data tracking angle, and how they want to do so from um, the moment we're born really um, throughout. And so I, I thank you guys for lending your expertise on this topic. Where, can, where do you point people to learn more about both the data tracking and the school choice topic?
1: Um. We have access to the PowerPoint that you have seen. If there's a way that that can be disseminated, mm-hmm. uh, it's loaded, loaded with information. Absolutely. Can-
0: I will do that. You guys put together a wonderful, wonderful presentation that we didn't have time to get completely through today, but uh, that 43, I think it's 43 page slideshow. I will be sure to also include in the show notes, Diane, Debbie, thank you so much for for coming on the show today. We love oh, having you guys on periodically and your expertise. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank Thanks you. For having- thank you for your dedication to your work. If you enjoy our content, prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation at wethepatriotsusa.org so we can continue to power the education arm of our mission that also extends to work to preserve and reclaim our God-given and alienable rights. God bless and thank you from everyone here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson presented by We the Patriots USA.